0: Our reading this morning is from Proverbs 4, 5 through 27. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Proverbs 4, 5 through 27. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Lord, uh, we just ask you to use this time, Father. Speak to us. We open our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you um, to think about someone whom you consider to be wise. Now, I mean a real person. Gandalf is kind of real to me, but he's actually a fictional character. But I want you to think about somebody who really has a tremendous amount of wisdom. Can you think about somebody like that in your mind? What is it about them that makes you think they're wise or feel that they're wise? My guess is they have some traits that actually you wish you had as well or something you esteem to have. Can you think of a time um, when you really needed wisdom? Maybe a time recently, a real insight as to what was really going on where you should go, what path you should take, how do I react to this? It's kind of a silly question, isn't it? Can you th- how about this? Can you think of a day when you didn't need wisdom? Wisdom is one of these great things that you never have enough of. You never think, oh, I'm topped out on wisdom, got that one covered. <laughs> Wisdom's one of these things you ever want more of, that you're never satisfied with enough. And the amazing thing is we're talking about our series on invitations from God, Um, there's an amazing invitation in Scripture to wisdom. In some some ways, you can argue that all of Scripture is one giant invitation to wisdom. And we're actually going to spend two weeks looking at, um, I'm sorry, invitation to wisdom. Spending two uh, weeks on this subject. The first week, we're talking about generally a life of wisdom. You know, wisdom in its larger sense. What is this uh, wisdom and life that God is calling us to? And then next week, we want to talk specifically more about wisdom as it regards to guidance. You know, many of the times when we think about wisdom, we think about decision-making. And that's an important piece of it. You know, do I go to the left or do I go to the right. And I'm going to talk about more of that next week. How do we go about making these kind of decisions? This week, we want to talk more broadly about this idea of what is this life of wisdom? What is this invitation to being a person of wisdom? Which uh, really all of the scripture and God is inviting us to. And we're going to look at it in kind of three ways today. We're going to talk about first the value of wisdom, secondly, the availability of wisdom, and thirdly, the path to wisdom. The value of wisdom, the availability of wisdom, and the path to wisdom. So, first, the value of wisdom. As uh, we heard Liz read in Proverbs 4, it says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words, or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, she'll protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. And that word, another translation says, wisdom is supreme, the beginning of wisdom. The idea is there, it's at the head. It's, It's the head thing, it's the preeminent thing. It is the most important thing, wisdom. Though it costs you everything you have, get wisdom. You need to prioritize it, to value it above all other things. In Proverbs 3, it says, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver, yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom is it. Long life is in her hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, her paths are peace. And we start to get into this idea of what is it that wisdom offers us? You know, long life, it offers us pleasant ways, paths of shalom, of peace. And it again again talks about throughout Proverbs what it really offers you. And in 4, we've been reading today, it says that you esteem wisdom, she will exalt you. Embrace her, she will honor you. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. This is what wisdom offers you. It says, when you have wisdom, then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you have wisdom, when you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. It's only fools that despise wisdom. Wisdom is the most important thing. To be a person of wisdom you know it's far more valuable than money than (laughs) you know it's wisdom that you know gives you rest that gives you sleep that honors you that exalts you that keeps you on the right path there's nothing more important than wisdom so you might say what is wisdom exactly it's it's a huge question um but just to kind of touch on it in proverbs 1 it says when it talks about the value of uh, wisdom and purposes of the proverbs for instance it says, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, for doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, simple and knowledge and discretion to the young. It's about knowledge, discretion, understanding what's right and just and fair. And I think this particular word is a wonderful word for wisdom, discretion. Discretion is that, is that thing of understanding, Oftentimes you think of wisdom as the person... Yeah, you've met a lot of smart people who aren't terribly wise. Amen. You know, they don't know how to apply what they know. It's really, it's not intelligence, it's not knowledge. Discretion... I mean, I love what Albert Einstein said about it. He said, a clever person, clever person solves a problem. A wise person avoids it. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, it's, the, it's, it's wisdom which lets you know when and how to speak. It's wisdom that helps you perceive what the real problem or issue is. You know, it's the, it's the, you know, some little. you're in a meeting and a problem comes up and that person's quick to solve and fix the whole thing, but he doesn't realize that's actually not what the real problem is. Or that's not what's really going on here. It's the wise person who perceives that. He understands what the people who are involved and what's going on with that. He discerns the best path forward. You know, these are the kind of things that wisdom offers you. You know, we live in a culture which exalts knowledge, right? Exalts power, information, you know, being able to solve things. The scripture exalts wisdom, discernment, discretion, insight, understanding. Now, it can be kind of intimidating when you think about that. You think, gosh, wisdom feels so far off there. I feel like I'm not a wise person, I see some other people are wise and I'm not there. Wisdom feels intimidating to get. How do I become a person of discernment like that? And actually, the scripture makes an amazing invitation. It says that actually, wisdom is available to all of us. And it's not a function of how smart you are, it's not a function of your intelligence. Wherever you are, wisdom is available to you proverbs 1 says wisdom calls aloud in the street and she raises her voice in a public square wisdom is not hidden i think oftentimes we think of wisdom as being almost hidden like god's trying to like it's some kind of box we can't access at least know from the scripture standpoint it is anything but it is standing up in the middle of a street where no one can miss it it's not hidden from anyone I love what it says in Proverbs 9, which is amazing. It sort of sums up these first nine chapters, which transitions in the book of Proverbs. But it says, wisdom has built her house. She's hewn out her seven pillars. She's prepared her meat, mixed her wine, and she set her table. And then she sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point of the city. What's the point of that? You're the point of the city where no one can miss it. Right? You, are, you are up there, you're at the highest point and they are calling out, right? Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, come, eat my food, drink the wine I've mixed, leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. It Can it be a bigger picture of availability? I've set a table out for you. Food, wine, it sits up here. We got people calling out you as you're walking down there. Come and sit leave your simple ways, leave your lack of judgment, come and have understanding. That's the invitation of Scripture. I don't care who you are or where you're at, you are invited to the table to eat of wisdom, to gather in, in insight and understanding. The, what Scripture says is the big problem is not that wisdom is not available. The real problem is it's not the only voice you're hearing calling to you. At the end of Acts nine, at the end of I mean of Proverbs nine, it has these six verses to start with, and then at the end of it has a parallel six verses. But it's not wisdom calling out to you; it's folly. Same chapter, it says, and you see the same structure here: the woman folly is loud; she is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house, on a seat at the highest point of the city. Notice the same place, right? Highest point of the city. And she's also calling out to those who pass by. She's calling out to those who are straight on their path. And the exact same call. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet and food eaten in secret is delicious. I actually realized I cut off the bottom verse. And she goes, because they don't realize that actually death is there. And the idea is as you're walking along, folly is calling out to you the same way as wisdom is calling out to you. They both have tables set out. One ends up in complete destruction and one is the path of blessing. It's not the idea that you can't know what's wise. The issue is, is you need to discern what voice you're listening to. And actually almost every chapter in Proverbs bounces back and forth between these in different ways. In Proverbs 4, which we just read from, you might have noticed it right in the middle of the chapter. At the same way, it's saying, get wisdom, get understanding, sell everything you have for it. It also says, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn from it, go your own way. So the idea is that the path of wisdom is sitting right here, but the path of wickedness, the path of folly, you know, if you want to use the path metaphor or the voice calling out to you metaphor, but whatever way you do it, there's two ways. And they're both calling to us. So the key of wisdom, right, is to hear the right call. To hear the call that, of what God's laying out to you. So you might say, well, h- how do I discern that path? What is the path to finding wisdom? To becoming a person of wisdom? To learning to listen to that call? And I think that's a huge discussion in itself. But I want to talk about, from Proverbs 4 in particular, and really these first nine chapters of, of Proverbs, I kind of see four principles that are kind of laid out, uh, that you see kind of hit again and again and again. And so I want to talk about those four principles on the path to wisdom. The first uh, principle you see again and again is to pursue wisdom. It may seem simple, but wisdom is a pursuit. You need to value wisdom above all things where it says the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. That's the beginning. The first thing you need to do to start becoming a wise person is you need to put wisdom first. You need to want it above all things. You need to value what is wise, discerning, above all things. It's more important than making money, but it's more important than feeling heard. It's more important than feeling hurt. It's more important than getting your way. Wisdom is what's most important. You need to value it. You need to place it first. You, know, you have to believe, you have to want to know what is right and just and good in the eyes of God and what is good in the midst of this situation first. That has to be your goal or guess what? You will never get it. it you will not become a wise person unless you value it as first. But the great promise is, is if you value it and if you search for it, you will find it. I mean, Proverbs 2 describes the hunt for wisdom like a treasure hunt. And it says, calling aloud for insight, if you search for understanding. And it says, if you look for it like silver, if you search for it as a treasure, as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord, this is his nature, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Very similar thing James echoes there, doesn't he? You know, to him who asks, God gives. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to lead you. But it's a bit of a search. It's a quest. It's something that you valued above all other things, and then you actually get it. Now, there might be something else in this text you might see. Well, it's not say I'm getting the wisdom of God. It's saying I'm understanding the fear of the Lord. You know, you'll understand the fear of the Lord. But you remember in the book of Proverbs, right? What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It begins there. It's, um, it is in... Uh, wisdom, according to God's, uh, God's economy, is inseparable from righteousness. Inseparable from the way you live your life. And that may seem a little counterintuitive. Because oftentimes you probably thought of wise people and discerning people and insightful people. You probably may have thought of a lot of people who aren't the nicest people in the world. Or aren't people that fear God? And that they would say, you know, the Bible would say that is not what it's considering that what we're chasing after or hungering for. You know, there's a lot of people who are very clever at getting themselves more money, you know, at at marshalling these different resources to getting themselves uh, promoted. You know, Hitler was incredibly insightful as to how to make countries bow their knees before him and to seize power in his own country. But the scripture would say ultimately say that is the path of wickedness and the path of folly. It begins with understanding who is the master of the universe, who is the king, and is the wise person who desires to serve them with their life. In some ways, it's the wise person who doesn't worry so much. Uh, the courts, you realize what the courts are and what they're offering and the clever arguments being done. The wise person realizes, how do I interact with this? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in Psalm 34, it kind of says, here's what the fear of the Lord is. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life, desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil, do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's the life of the fear of the Lord. He's saying that is the beginning of the wise life wanting to do something that's pleasing in God's sight, understanding what is good, right, and just in the sight of God. That's the life of wisdom he's calling us to. And the third piece is related to this, but slightly different, the idea of guarding your heart. In Proverbs 4, it said, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth, Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level the paths of your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. It's amazing all the different body parts, right? You know, your heart, your, you know, what, you're, what you're seeing, where your feet are going. And what's the idea here? The idea is that you, you have this awareness of what you're doing and why. It's very easy to say, I want to fear the Lord, isn't it? I want a life of wisdom, I want to pursue it. But not really be honest with yourself about where are the meditations of your heart? Where are your eyes going? What paths are you walking on? It's very easy to be a hypocrite or a fool. It says, be wise as to what my eyes are saying. It depends how the, the eyes in the scripture are these almost like windows into your soul. You know, what are you, what are you seeing? What are you looking at? When people look in, you know, what are you meditating your heart on? What do you really desire? What, is, what are you thinking about and meditating on and hungering for? It's your heart. What paths are you walking on? What are the things you're doing? Where are you going? You might say, I, I, you know, I, I, it's not hard to do. Is it to say, oh, I want to pursue wisdom. I want to fear the Lord. I want to live life that's pleasing to him. And then I'm going to go do this. Think about where your paths, your feet are going. Think about what it is you're doing. A life of wisdom is a life of personal awareness. This is not legalism, right? This is not a bunch of rules as to what you can and can't do. It's becoming very honest with yourself and aware of yourself. Where's your meditations? What are you viewing? What are you doing? A life of wisdom has that awareness. And I'd say lastly, on the fourth path, the fourth piece is going to seem very counterintuitive and very specific. Um, Embrace correction. Because you see, and I write that because you see this again and again throughout Proverbs. You see it show up all the time, embracing correction. And one of the reasons it it comes up again and again is that some, you know, Proverbs will hit on particular things, not because, like, it hits on the adultery all the time, an adulterer. It's not because that's that one thing that it wants you to think about and not worry about other things. It's because in some ways it typifies all folly. It typifies all foolishness and all wickedness. And correction, in many ways, typifies as well. How you receive correction in that moment typifies wisdom versus folly. You know, in Proverbs 9, when it talked about the woman of folly and the the woman of wisdom and the woman of folly both calling out to you, in the middle of those two passages is a bit on correction. Like, it's almost like the place where you're hearing it. It says, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. What a great word. He will love you. Instruct a wise man. You can tell it's kind of a continuation of the thought. Rebuke, instruct is not that different. Instruct a wise man. He'll be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The idea of wisdom is one who wants to learn. Who wants to be reproved. Someone comes up to him and says you've done something wrong. They love it and they love him why because it's an opportunity to learn it doesn't mean that every time someone comes up to you and corrects you they're right but every time someone comes and corrects you it is an opportunity to learn if they don't come up you have no opportunity to learn right the person of wisdom wants to learn wants to be corrected wants to be reproved wants to be instructed they want to learn and isn't this true of anything else in life you want to become really good at mathematics, you, ever, you know, the student who <laughs> is able to receive correction, able to receive an understanding of what he did wrong, embrace instruction, learns. You want to become good at any kind of, you know, sport or something like that, you need to embrace correction, don't you? These, that's what life's like, that's what wisdom is. You want to become a person of character and wisdom, you need to embrace those, you know, embrace getting instructed, embrace correction. Embrace reproof. Uh, One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 12, 1, where it says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Isn't that great? That's an NIV translation. And the basic idea is, stupid is like an animal. He who hates correction, you're like the beasts. You know, you're like a, a beast that's being whacked like this. You know, part of being a person of wisdom, of being in the image of God, is one who loves it and wants it. Loves discipline. You know, in Proverbs 1, where it talked about, you know, wisdom calls out in the street, he says, then the problem is, is not that wisdom's not calling out in the street, but that you wouldn't listen to it. It says, if you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you. I would, this is the Lord's, I would have made my thoughts known to you. But you rejected me when I called. You ignored all my advice and so would not accept my rebuke. So the idea is that God is wanting to pour out his thoughts, pour wisdom into them, but they would not accept rebuke, would not accept correction, would not accept instruction. By the way, it's really hard to speak about this because I'm so bad at it. Tell me, when someone comes up to you and kind of corrects you, do you not hear those two voices? Do you not hear the voice of folly and the voice of wisdom calling out to you? You feel your defensiveness, you feel this need to justify yourself, this need to be right. That is the path of folly. So can everyone who's got this one down stand up? <laughs> now, if you're really brave, you'll ask your spouse, how am I doing on that one? And if you're really honest, you say, can you help me become better at this one? You know, I want to be a person of wisdom. I want a person who hears it and receives it and learns from it. You know, instruct, reprove a wise man, he'll love you. Instruct a wise man, and he becomes wiser still. Let's cultivate that in our hearts. Let's be people who want to become people of wisdom, people of understanding, who listen to that call and answer it you know, that pursue wisdom, you know, who who care about the fear of the Lord and make that the very beginning and foundation of our lives, who guard our hearts, who embrace correction. The people who are filled with understanding. Really, as we sit to have communion today, to me, this is in many ways the beginning of wisdom. I remember the scriptures say, jesus is the wisdom of god and himself right and he said the world through its wisdom did not know him and god was pleased with the foolishness of his message to shame the wise and there's in many ways the fear of the lord right we come to him and i don't know you when i when i hear something when i think about what the scripture says about being a wise person many times it goes through my head how unwise i've been And how many times I have not pursued it. I have not done the things we know we should do. So that's why it actually begins again and afresh at the table, right? It begins coming to him saying, here's where I've blown it. Here's where I'm living in this broken world with this broken mind. I'm not a wise person. I'm often a fool. Lord, cleanse me of that. Forgive me. Renew me. And from this day forward, I want to pursue wisdom. I want to be a person who sees the world as you sees it. As you see it. Understand as you understand it. See people as you see them. In all the craziness and the brokenness of this world, I want to be someone who has your lens on as we look through it. As he says, that that is the most important thing there is. Why don't we take a moment in quiet and confess and prepare our hearts to the God to come forward. I can invite the servers to come forward as well. Thank you, Lord, that you see us and know us, and nothing's hidden from your sight thank you that uh, here you come to us to give us your mercy to cleanse us anew to forgive us to anoint us with your spirit to further transform us into the people you've made us to be Jesus said come to me all you that are weary and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty, will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Amen. On the night before he died, he took the bread and after